Get ready for conflicts where movie reviews collide. Welcome back to another episode of Conflicts, the podcast with your host, me, Laura slash Lulu and our resident dad joke himself, Rich. Say hey, Rich. Hey, Rich. Every time you can never let me down. Nope. I'm consistent. You are consistent every time. (laughs) T-shirt and everything. Hey, so I'm not a Reddit person per se, but I am obsessed with this arch slash shower thoughts thing that I came across. And I want your opinion on this. Well, I mean, I'm totally a Reddit person. That is probably my preferred uh, point of social media. Reddit scares me, but I respect your choices. Oh no, it's scary as hell. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just dumb enough to like, go there. Like Reddit's where they're going to go for your jugular. But this really got me thinking, is your alarm tone your theme song that starts every episode of your life? Huh. Right? Kind of makes you think and you're kind of like, I got a shitty theme song, man. I changed the alarm tone on my phone after I saw that. Really? Yeah. I was like, well, I want a better theme song. I I change mine pretty regularly, but I always do like uh, cheesy 80s uh, TV show intros. Oh, so see, you've got a pretty solid. Yeah. Mine right now is the intro from Hill Street Blues. Nice. Yeah. That's nice. I usually go it's with emotive. some of them. Yeah. Some of the more like, uh, I guess, chilled out ones. I mean, some of them are pretty aggressive. But uh, that one, you know, I try to go with the... the I went from really obnoxious, old-timey car horn to rather angelic bells. I don't get fancy. I just stick with the tones that already exist on my phone. But I was like, I'm going for a nicer tone, damn it. (laughs) I do have my phone set to where it starts out very soft Uh and then slowly crescendos crescendos up and gets louder. So when you do notice it at first, it's that you're like, how long do I want to lay here before it gets too loud (laughs) that I'm annoyed with it and want to shut it off? Oh, so I do. I do have a fun. I'll give you one anecdote. I'm going to try to chill out with the anecdotes a little bit, but I'll give you one little funny one. Okay. When I was in college, I was really bad with alarm clocks. As uh, I were all college boys. Now, keep in mind, this was before we had cell phones, right? Mm-hmm. So actual like, alarm clock. Yeah, actually, it was right. We just started getting digital alarm clocks. Ooh, around fancy. That point so I actually had one of the digital ones that went by your desk and it came with like the, the little articulating lamp on it uh-huh. and had a little slot where there was a handheld calculator. You could slide down in there and charge. Oh, you were such a nerd. No, it was it was it was great it really was but then it also was like when they brought out snooze buttons those were were a new thing and back then they made the snooze button like this big gigantic button Mm -hmm. on the front and it was right beside my bed and like you know you hit that thing snooze for 15 minutes i was a chronic snoozer (laughs) to the point where it was problematic like i missed some classes because i was like hitting the snooze 45 times yeah i hit the snooze from like eight o'clock till noon one day <laughs> it, it was pretty and you know i'm not actually getting good sleep at that point in time but that's what i did so i, I was like i have to i have to have a better system than this this is this is something so i actually went and on a suggestion from uh, uh, a friend of the family's i went and got one of the old-fashioned wind-up alarm clocks you know the the like the mechanical alarm clocks with mm-hmm. the bells on top that gives that little s- thing that goes back and forth yep. yeah the little hammer that smacks over and it's super loud and super super annoying but i would set that thing for 20 minutes after my alarm so i knew what time i needed to get up i knew my drop dead time but so i'd I'd calculate it so my time i get up was 20 minutes before 
drop dead time. That's when the alarm went off. So I got one snooze. And after I hit that snooze the one time and that alarm went off again, I had five minutes before that annoying bell went off and I had to put it across the room. So, so like, you'd have to get up out of bed to go you know, you get to the damn thing and shut up, it up. Cross the room and like the had one of these like little bitty pieces that you had to like push in on the back to stop the to hammer. Stop the hammer. Uh huh. And, and it was like hard to get and find, really, especially when you're sleepy. So by the time you've done all that, you're up. <laughs> you're up. So I bet your roommate hated you. Well, fortunately, I didn't have any roommates. Uh, so that was that's good because that I'm pretty sure that would have led to some antics. I was I was fortunate and had an apartment my freshman year. Look at so you. Technically, my sister lived there, but she really lived with her boyfriend, and I saw her. <laughs> and only the agreement a, was you just didn't tell your parents. Pretty much, yeah. That was just, it. Was she showed up when you know family would come into right. town. It was a good arrangement. I mean, she had a room and there was stuff there, but, you know, we rarely ever saw each other. Yeah. And, but, of course, uh, none of that has anything to do with what we're talking about today. <laughs> I'm not even certain why I told that story, but... I started with the whole r slash shower thoughts and it was a snowball and it went from there and it was delightful. Which, very much like Reddit, where you start somewhere and right? go, round and round she goes, where you stop, nobody knows. That's why it's so scary. There's everything there. I do love the Reddits, though. I, I actually get a lot of my news and information. Uh, I, I have a number of specific subreddits that I frequent pretty much daily, actually. Yeah? What you heard about on there? Uh, well, you know, uh, my family is a, is a big hockey family. Right. So, blues. Yeah. Go Blues. So, you know, there's a lot of information from there. And I'm the weird guy that I like the game within the game. Mm -hmm. So, uh, as much as I do a watching the sport, I'm the guy that follows, like, all the contracts and, you know, I'm, I'm the guy oh, who's that guy. Yeah. So, like, I, you know, I know, you know, who's worth what and what their, you know, the deals are. You know, I really track that. It, it's really you know who to blackmail? To, well, not necessarily who to blackmail, but <laughs> there, there is an art to, uh, you know, them putting those teams together within their cap spaces oh, and working sure. on trades and deals and what their values are. Uh, you know, and evaluating players, the it's analysis. probably a whole science behind it. Yeah. I'm the guy that actually goes and look up lots of stats. Somehow that doesn't surprise me. Which is funny because then, like, I'm the guy that when I get onto Reddit, which is like an argument because, you know, that that's what you do. You're like, I know these stats. And and somebody be like, this player sucks. And I'm like, well, actually, his stats are blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then the other, like, stats don't matter. And, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> stats are science. Uh, but yeah, I, I do. There's actually a, a fair number of interests there that I, I, I frequent the Reddits. For the hacky? Well, actually, many, many topics. Now, I mean, there's some great podcasting information. The, the podcasting subreddit is pretty fantastic, actually. That's cool. Yeah, there's, there's some other, like, game reddits that uh, you yeah, go into, and some of them are pretty golden. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, then there are the generic ones, like the, the shower thoughts or the... the uh, it's also darker portions of Reddit, y'all. I know some people who are really into r slash volleyball ass. <laughs> yes, that's a subreddit. Yeah, I mean, you know, subreddit is also known for being a place for porn. So yep. if that's if that's your thing, it's totally there. Okay, you wait. can find it on Reddit. All right, okay, I lied. I have one more anecdote because okay, this one is, okay, this, this one, one better be good because it was just prefaced no, with porn. It, it, no, it is. So it, it, this is this is about hockey and porn. Oh, I bet I bet hockey porn is great. I'm, I'm the hair alone. I'm going to rule 34 that one and say it exists, but I've never <laughs> looked up any hockey porn. No, so we went to a local uh, hockey bar last night with some friends to watch a hockey game, mm -hmm. and uh, you know. You know, the, the St. Louis Blues are the most recent Stanley Cup champions. Mm -hmm. And the hockey bar down there, they wanted to line a wall of pictures of all of the residents in town who got their picture with the Stanley Cup when it was here. And, you know, obviously my wife and I were there because Naturally. there's no way she was missing that. Uh, but the last couple times we went, we forgot to take our pictures. So, like, a week and a half ago, we put the picture in the car. 
because we knew we'd forget otherwise. Uh huh. So we got to the bar, forgot the picture in the car. <laughs> End of the first period, I'm like, I'm going to run out and get the picture before we forget to bring this silly thing in. And there is a parking garage pretty much attached to this building. Mm-hmm. So we're in the parking garage. You walk out the back door of the bar and you're in the garage. And I'm going up the ramp because we're like halfway up the first ramp. And I get the picture and I'm walking back down. And there is a, uh, a car coming down the ramp. And just as they get to the bottom of the ramp, uh, there's a, another car coming around the corner. And they do this awkward who's going to go thing. Little shuffle, yeah. So I'm like just standing there off to the side just a like, little bit. Don't like, don't hit me. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not going to step into the middle of this until they figure out what they're doing and going on. And so the car is like literally within touch. You know, I could reach out and touch this this car. And there's a mom and dad in the front. Dad's driving. Mom is in the passenger seat. And in the back seat is going to is what I'm going to say about a 14 year old boy. Mm-hmm. And he's he's sitting on the passenger side, so he, he's like two feet from me. And he's got his giant phone up, which is one of these giant phones. Please you know, tell like, me he's phone. watching porn on he, his phone. He is watching porn, and I'm not even talking like. <laughs> Kind of, sort of porn, like like full on, like this X-rated. Is, yeah, like this. This is the real deal. Did he have earbuds in? He, no, he did. He had his earbuds in, and he's back there, like he's watching a video. And mom and dad are none the wiser. And I, I kind of just glance over, and I'm like, wait, is that? Oh my god, like that's. And for porn aficionados, I mean, based on the website, I'm gonna say he knew what he was doing. He uh, knew where to go. I just, I'm sitting there like, oh my God, this, I don't know. <laughs> like, the, but the bravado of this kid, just like, mom and dad are in the front seat, and he's just, I don't know this child, but I have respect for their game. No, I was had such mixed emotion because, like, the dad side of me wanted to be, like, knocking on the door, like, mom, dad, do you know what this kid is doing in the back seat? <laughs> but then the other part of me wanted to be like, I salute you. <laughs> uh, and me, with no kids, I'm over there like, good game, kid. Good game. No, there, there, there was that total side of me where I'm like, I respect you. I respect you a little bit. Like, uh, that yeah. Is, I don't know if that's brave or stupid, but oh, you go for it, man. Thank you, go you for, for it. that. That just was the most delightful story. And I respect this 14 year old out there. That is. So whomever choices you are, were made and they were bold ones. <laughs> you go for it, kid. Oh. You go for it. In case you haven't figured it out by the uh, conversation so far today, we're covering The Mandalorian. Because, you know, nothing says the Mandalorian like hockey and porn. <laughs> Naturally. And alarm clocks. Don't and forget alarm the alarm clocks. clocks. Yes, yes. I sure a Baby Yoda alarm clock is a thing now. Excuse me. The child. John Favreau was very particular about this. It's not Baby Yoda. It's, it's the, the child. child. Okay. This came out on Disney Plus November 12th, 2019. Stars Pedro Pascal. That's Oberyn Martell from Game of Thrones. You're welcome. Because he's hot. Until... <laughs> there's a moratorium until he dies it's game of thrones you know he dies the way he dies it's hard to watch yeah if you if you're not aware of how that storyline plays out at this point in time well you're just not there's, interested there's, enough to worry about it there's thumbs and eyeballs people it's just who that that is probably the most upsetting part of that and i say book because i read it first in the book to me yeah, never read the like, book. i almost stopped reading the books at that point just simply because there was a point in the you're reading it you can kind of see it coming mm-hmm and like, because he totally wins the fight. Like he wins the fight, but then his ego causes him to yep. screw up and lose. And you, you just and you can see it coming, and you're just like, no, no, no. And then eyeballs. That's kind of the point where I realized that the author was just screwing with us. Well, it worked. It's like he's I'm going to give you something you love, and then I'm going to take it away. And he did. Yep. All right, this series was created by John Favreau, and for that, sir, we thank you. All right, uh, synopsis: Five years after the Battle of Endor. For you bandwagon fans, 
<laughs> that's Return of the Jedi. So this like five years after the end of Return of the Jedi, when Darth Vader died and all that stuff. Okay. All right. A lonely bounty hunter in the outer planets makes an unexpected discovery when one of his bounties doesn't go as planned. Dun, dun, dun. I was unsure if it needed a dun, dun, dun or not. I hesitated I on the, the dunning. Your delivery, I felt, needed that dun, okay, dun, thank dun. Thank you. I brought that intensity. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for every time. Um, some interesting things I did not know about this because I thought I knew it all, but I didn't. Uh, but in, there was a large scene that required a number of stormtroopers in the background. They didn't have enough costumes available, so they asked members of the 501st Legion to like fill in background and just bring their own costumes. No idea, but I love that. I love that so much. You know, it's a blessing and a curse because Disney pretty much controls the 501st since it's, you know, they they rely on Disney, uh, you know, because it's all copyrighted. You can't just right, do right. that. Uh, so they have a lot of influence. For example, I don't know if you're aware of Gishwez. Nope. The greatest international scavenger hunt the world has ever seen. It is uh, uh, a mutual friend of ours we used to work with was really into this and we helped her with it a couple oh, of years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a giant scavenger hunt and you have to go around and get all these crazy things and there's this list of like hundreds of things that come out. And, and all... it's like legit prizes. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Like they, they take you and like uh, what was a couple of years ago, they flew you to a castle in Scotland with the, your winning team and, and you got to hang out with celebrities. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's like really cool stuff here, but it's actually fun to do in its own right. But most of you have to get like pictures and videos of, of crazy things. Yeah. And so we, uh, we, we always worked out that we were at a convention right about the time this goes off. It usually goes off in August, right around the time that Gen Con happens. So a lot of this crazy stuff is easy to get because there was always like Stormtrooper related stuff. Well, guess what? The 501st is there every year. So uh, Naturally. Was it two years ago, I think, was when we discovered this kind of became a thing. You had to uh, get a picture of Stormtroopers doing yoga. That seems difficult. Um, you know, it's surprising. So, so you know, but we're there. Like, we're Stormtroopers there. And we, I go up to, you know, one of the guys. I'm like, hey, uh you want to do this thing and i actually know there's a guy in town here who's in the 501st who i actually know mm -hmm. um but we were there and i asked these guys and they're like we can't and i'm like you can't and he's like yeah we're we're aware of this thing and we get a mandate from disney that we can't participate that sucks that sucks all the fun out of it yeah so i text my friend i'm like is this for real did disney really say you guys can't participate in any way with gishwes he's like they specifically said we can't participate in any way in gishwes that's so lame. Yeah. They, they, I, I, I just meant it seemed logistically difficult to try and do yoga poses in your armor. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that some of that stuff is actually fairly, fairly limber, but yeah, I, I just, so like I said, there is a double-edged sword. I love the 501st. I love a lot of stuff that they do. And I love that Disney lets them do most of it. But I mean, if I'm being honest though, the trade-off between being in somebody's scavenger hunt video or being background in the Mandalorian I'd pick being the background in Mandalorian. Well, fair enough. Yeah, that's why the 501st was all, mm, we'd love to help you guys, but we really don't want to. I got to be in Star Wars, so Yeah, we don't want to lose our charter yeah. at all. So, yeah, yeah, whatever. Oh, other thing I was going to say, did you know that, okay, so in the first episode, they mentioned Life Day, mm -hmm. right? They do, yep. And this is totally a tongue-in-cheek to the disastrous holiday special that introduced... Boba Fett. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I guess I forgot that introduced the first Boba Fett. Mandalorian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes and no. Boba Fett is not actually a Mandalorian. That's true. Sorry, that, there's very there's very confusing backstory here, people. But and it uh, goes in depth, and we won't go any further in depth because I don't think you need to know that. Oh, and the other thing that I saw that I found super interesting was that one of the masked Mandalorians that he meets 
in the show is Brendan Wayne, who is the grandson of Western legend John Wayne. That is very much true, yeah. I was like, oh, that makes my heart happy. The Space Western has the Western's grandson in it. And, and you know, it very much is a, a Space Western. Yes, and I am a sucker for a Space Western. Let me tell you, Deep Space Nine is my trek of choice. I love Firefly. I love The Mandalorian. Space Westerns, it's a thing. Look it up. They did... Um... Uh, kind of a throwback to that on uh, the TV show Castle, which starred Nathan Fillion. Mm-hmm. And we, I never we liked that show. I really? That show. Um, my wife really liked it, and I enjoyed it because it was Nathan Fillion. Well, yeah, um, he's he's very charming. But one year further, uh, it was Halloween, and he puts on his Mal uniform and Captain uh, tight pants. Yeah, so he he's 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 like, no, this is what I'm going to wear for Halloween. And the girl who plays the the daughter in the show, she's like, mm, that was so five years ago, which <laughs> at the point in time would have been was when about five, five years you know, ago. And uh, he's like, what? Space space cowboy, right? And she's like, mm, I don't know. That was so five years ago. And then, you know. And it's all back around again. Yep. So I just thought it was a funny little nod that they threw in there. And actually had several of the. Uh, I know they had cameos. Yeah, they had quite a few guest stars for episodes. Most of them were bad guys. But yeah. But yeah, hey, what the heck? It was still fun. I love Firefly. Okay, back to the Mandalorian. I got a sneaking suspicion, sir, that there's not going to be a lot of conflict. In this episode of Conflicts. You know, this is one of those episodes where, like, we have to do because it's the Mandalorian. But, like, we really haven't discussed this much, but we just know. We just know. There's no way there's going to be much conflict here. As a matter of fact, I I specifically tried to find things that I, I might you know be able to throw in that could be controversial you know look for like maybe the smallest things the littlest things well, and, and, and i'm it, like i just can't it's a show so it's like there are episodes that were stronger than other episodes and some episodes weren't as great and blah 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 but it's it's about the series as a whole right and on the whole it's fabulous yeah there were a few episodes that felt a little fillery yeah you know, where they, they were just throwing him in there but even then they weren't bad episodes no not at I, all I just don't you know where they're completely necessary to the plot no but they also added uh th- that kind of time frame you know mm-hmm. that this guy really didn't know what to do and then well things happen uh and, you know some of them were even a little i don't want to say contrived but you know you could see it coming you know you, the, none of the storylines were particularly deep complicated there weren't a lot of twists and turns in this uh you know this was not yeah uh, it's fairly straightforward this was not what you might consider the more advanced storylines that we're seeing these days. And, and you know, I have nothing wrong with a complicated plot or an advanced storyline, but this was just a reminder that that's not what makes something good or something bad. Right. The way you do it matters as much as what you have to, to do it with. You know, and that's, you know, you, you mentioned Pedro Pascal, and I'm just going to lead off with him just simply Please because... Please do. Because, I mean, I like the guy. He's been in some fun stuff already, not yeah. just Game of Thrones. And he's hot. Uh, he, he looks like he's going to really be uh, really be somebody and, and, you know, like I said, have a great career and that's fantastic. And he's but, really talented. But here's a guy you never see. Yeah. You don't hardly ever see him in this Got whole... approximately 45 seconds of screen time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the entire time he is in a mask and he doesn't speak much while he's in the mask. This is not a man of many words. And yet, he pulls off this part wonderfully. Here, well, guy... and that's... Sorry, I totally just like cut you off and just super passionate about something. And it it. was the thing that pulled me in from the jump. And that is as an actor, it's the thing that we all chase after. It is the ability to say something with nothing. And he is so talented at what he does that he took that ability beyond his Mm -hmm. face. When you can see somebody's face, that that is a level you can achieve that is not that difficult. But to be able to emote 
with no one being able to see what you are doing. You still felt, yes, the music helped. Yes, the settings helped. Yes, the stylings helped. But he was still emoting through nothing. We couldn't see anything. And he was so educated about his character and his character choices as an actor that it came through a mask, a literal mask. And that is mastery. For me, this is probably the pinnacle of filmmaking minimalism. You know, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost a callback to many of the early days of film where they just didn't have much to work with. So they had to figure out ways without fancy technology, without really cool things. And this this is a callback to that because I completely agree with you. He did so much with so little here. And, I, you know, I got to, you know, thank Pedro Pascal. I got to thank John Favreau for that. They, I, I think that they knew that from the beginning. And I think if they did anything else, they would have ruined it. I agree. You know, there is the one scene where he does. Uh, I actually thought it was pretty funny when the lady, she's like, when was the last time you took that off? And he's like, yesterday. <laughs> you know, you're expecting some big dramatic answer. And it's like, oh, well, I mean, yeah, she's like, I, you know, in front of people. <laughs> Never. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I, I took it off yesterday when nobody was around. I take this thing off. Uh, you know, so I thought it was great to, that the way they played on that and even got some humor out of it. But yeah, just. Just fantastic, in, in my opinion. Yeah, there's no way I can say enough good things about this. Well, this is the Star Wars we've all been waiting for. I mean, whether you love the prequels and sequels or you hate them, this is what we all wish they could have been. Because this is better. This is where creators trusted the story, they trusted the franchise, and they didn't put in all the bells and whistles And what they got was so much better than anything that's been theatrically released since Return of the Jedi, with one possible exception. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're going to have a hard time convincing me that Rogue One wasn't great. Uh, That is the exception. You know, and honestly, as I've said before, I I actually enjoyed Solo. I thought it was much better movie than people gave credit for. However, here's what's funny to me. John Favreau, you know, he's kind of a goofy guy, right? Right. You know, he's a guy that I, I guess you could say doesn't, get taken seriously a whole lot you know and i, remember I mean he's happy from right. the mcu exactly you know and there is you know there's the kind of the recent controversy with people uh you know it was scorsese and a few people made some comments that you know they're what they're doing is more artsy than you know some of these these films well everybody can get their heads out of their own asses because art that's, is subjective that's, so that's that's exactly my point john favreau for me i mean it, as far as i'm concerned he is my scorsese Well, it's like if you look at the great artists like painters, like there's a Bob Ross that's the everyman's artist. Mm -hmm. And then you have this, you know, high end New York gallery artist that both of these artists have merit. Exactly. They just have different audiences. And John Favreau is Bob Ross. And, you know, he really is brilliant. Not just here, because I'm going to I'm going to throw back to, you know, the reason we have an MCU is because of John Favreau. You know, they did not First do Iron well. Iron Man in 07. Yeah. I mean, the earlier MCU movies, it was, they struggled. Hard. They did. And, you know, I love, I know everybody likes to throw that on the backs of Kevin Feige. And as much, and Kevin Feige's done a great job. You know, I, I, I think he earns a lot of props, but he did not get it right, right away. It wasn't until Favreau came in and did the first Iron Man that they knocked it out of the mm-hmm. park and understood what they had to do. Now, RDJ obviously deserves a lot of props right. there. But, you know, he was, like, he was on the outs. Like, you know, nobody wanted RDJ to do anything because he had, well, quite frankly, screwed up so much of his career and <laughs> screwed a lot of people over. Yeah, there were some dark times. Let's just say he earned it, but, um, you know, he he rehabbed, he came out and, and, and 
they took a chance on him and we basically launched the MCU because that movie was that good. And it's because Favreau gets it. Yeah, he, he gets what he the fans want. Get, he gets what the fans want and he understands the material and he loves it and respects it in the same and way. And how to give it to you in the best way possible. Because, you know, as geeks, we love to look at the, the source material and just beat it to death. Right. And that was one of the things I wrote down about this is it's a perfect balance of like the deepest Easter eggs for the devoted fans. But the story makes it accessible to people who are seeing Star exactly. Wars for the first time. Exactly. And, you know, like I said, I go, I'm going to go back to that first Iron Man. Most of the comic book fans embraced it. Even though, you know, mm -hmm. you could argue the differences in the comic books and you know, so on and so forth. You bring, you know, they did kind of change some things around. They all embraced it. The same way with all the Star Wars fans embrace this. You know, there is not anybody who is a real Star Wars fan. And I, I don't mean that as in to be to be trivial, but anybody who's just not a bandwagon fan. Right. But the hardcore fans, they all love this. This is the what they what This is what they wanted. Yeah. It's what all of us have been waiting for. This is honestly what the, the sequel should have been in a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, maybe not this exact storyline, but that feel. Yeah. That's what we wanted. And this that's is what, what it feels needed. like when you trust the fans and the creators. Yeah. You know, um, I know we're also big Star Trek fans. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we look at J.J. Abrams. And honestly, he's done some stuff that I like. But he's done a bunch of stuff that I didn't like. And, you know, here's a guy who now, you know, he rebooted uh, Star Trek. He took over the sequels for Star Wars. And the problem with J.J. Abrams is, I, I think, it basically that he has to have his own vision on everything. He looks at it and says, okay, how do I, mm -hmm. how do I add my own little piece into this? Lance flares. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how do you, how do you do this? And ultimately, with a material like this, you can't. You, yeah. You, you, can t you can tell your own story. But you can't say, how do I make this mine? Because ultimately, then you change it. And in that changing, that's where you lose and, and deviate from what you have. That's why the the Kelvin timeline, you know, as much as a couple of those movies I didn't hate, it's never good. It's never felt the same. Right. They, they're just a fun romp to watch. You're not right. into it. They never had the same feel. Nobody cares about how those starships are built. You know, mm -hmm. they, nobody's going to really want the. Yeah. It, they just want it to look cool. I almost brought in my. Uh, I was looking at my uh, Star Trek technical manual, where it's the technical manual for the uh, nice. Enterprise from uh, Next Generation. And, you know, it, it's insanely detailed. This is like a 300-page yeah. book. Yeah, and, I mean, down. To I the, hope it shows where all the heads are, because I've do. always wondered where the cans were. On, Absolutely. There's a full deck layout I looked on the bridge, and I know where the head is yeah. off the bridge. Yeah, no, they're they're completely there. It's in my head, there's a no twosie sign on the wall, <laughs> and it, it'll actually explain to you how all those waste systems work. If you want to know how they recycle and where, you know, where it's it's all there. Space poop. Yep, I mean it. It they this is complete. It's like they built it. It's like you were grabbing the blueprints, mm -hmm. and you know you stole them, and you're selling them to the Romulans. Like here's what they'd want. <laughs> I love that we're both level of nerd that we're like the technical manual. Where's the toilets on the Enterprise? Jeez. Okay, let's reel it in. <laughs> but I'm saying that's a certain level of geekdom that you're yeah. never going to get with the Calvin timeline because nobody got invested because it just wasn't as good, even if there were some fun action scenes. And, uh, you know, I did like Chris Pine's performance, but, you know, beyond that, it just wasn't the same thing. Right. And that's very much how I'm going to look at the, the Star Wars sequels. You know, maybe there were some I good would, things. I would even hedge to say the prequels as well. Um, In their own way. Yeah. Uh, but definitely on the, the sequels with J.J., they just had a different thing, and that, that was because J.J. interjected himself to it. What John Favreau is brilliant at is there is no point where he interjected himself to it. Although, yes, he was Happy Hogan, so he literally interjected himself, <laughs> but not into the filmmaking. Right. Um, you know, he just, he understands to keep it what it is, and then just tell a new story. 
and that's what he's done to the point where I like I am so convinced with the Mandalorian I want them to do nothing but turn the keys over to Favreau. Oh, I I'm here for it. I'm so here for it. I'm the sign guy on Instagram. Hand the keys to John yep. Favreau for Star Wars. Yeah, turn turn at turn everybody else out. Say sorry, guys. Here's your here's your walking papers. Yeah, thanks for everything you've done. Uh, good luck on your next projects. Because you know, I hope JJ does go do other things. Because some of the stuff he does on his own that are his own creations, I think, are where he yeah. excels. Now, the same way with Ryan Johnson, if he creates it himself, he excels there. With somebody else's creation, he can't play in that playground. Mm-hmm. They they're they're just not their thing. They're not good at it because they don't understand how to how to do that. They don't understand that process. And Favreau does. So give him the keys to the kingdom. Say you're it from here on out. And you know what? I think it'll be great. That's why like the MCU. I think once Feige saw how to do it, I think he was able to continue it. Yeah. But it took Favreau showing everybody how to do it to get that ball rolling. And that's what we need for Star Wars. Well, and that's exactly what this is because this series acknowledges that it's only been a five-year gap between Jedi and this story. And it's respectful to that. It gives you subtle tie-ins that let you feel the world, but it creates something new. And that's not an easy thing to do, but it's what we all deserve. And I, I could go on all day, but obviously I love it. So let's put a grade on it. I gave it an A+. Uh, I actually just gave it an A, not an A+. Ooh, just an A, just an A. But you are very sparing with your A-pluses, sir. You know, I am, and here's the other um, the other side of this, because, you know, I'm the old expanded universe guy, right? Right. I, I've, I've tried really hard to get over that. I'm very just, much just canonical over here. I just can't. Well, but it was Canaan at one point, mm-hmm. you know, and then when they just swept away all that and said, no, you know what, that's not all Canaan anymore, that was, I'm sorry, that's a dick move. That, that's a dick move to take that much material. Agreed. And I never really completely got it. a lot of hard that. work. Yeah. Well, it did. And it just kind of dismissed all of that. And they're like, no, 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 this is an alternate timeline. Like, no, just you're, AUs, AUs. It's like, no, you're the alternate timeline, assholes. <laughs> um, so there were a few things there that kind of reserved because I'm going to be very sparing. The fact that I gave this an A after my opinion on the sequels, I don't know how many more high praises I can give it beyond that. Because honestly, you know, I'm the jaded ex-boyfriend at this point in time. <laughs> You've hurt me too many times. You know, I've, I've, she came knocking on your door at two o'clock in the morning and exactly. you let her back in. Exactly. You know, that it's, it's like that. And I'm like, nope, nope, nope. This is not happening. You're going to have to prove yourself to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this I'm, time she's changed. I, I'm going to be the biggest critic. And much like Robert Downey Jr., he, he they've, they've proven me wrong. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give you the A. I'm holding back the plus because, you know, as we mentioned before, there were a few things that I right. think could have been better. Pacing. Some of those filler episodes. Some dialogue. There were a couple performances at Little Spotty. Know, a couple of those storylines, uh, you know, you look at and you're like, this was very obvious. Uh, you know, there's never a point where I'm like, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen this episode. Very quickly, you're like, I, I, I get what's going to go on here. And not that that was a, a big problem. Uh, but it was me. enough to to save you on the plus. Maybe you'll save the plus for season two. Uh, maybe, and you know, and I'm looking very much forward to it. And other things that they do. Hopefully, they've learned this lesson. So I have some hope. Finally, I have a new hope for Star Wars. <laughs> oh, that was delightful! Thank you so much, Dad. Joke that was amazing. Oh, I loved it. Okay, let's dive into the good, the bad, and the ugly. We both know there's no ugly in this one, so we're just gonna have a good and a bad. For me. I cheated a little bit on the good and I am torn between two between my intense and abiding love for baby Yoda love baby Yoda and all (laughs) of the memes the meme of baby Yoda just holding the tea like judging you with his face. I send that meme for everything. I love it. But also the I mean it's like two seconds but I mean 
the ins- I'm home alone watching this episode and the instant the tip of the dark saber comes out yeah. of that tie fighter i am scream. my dog was in my lap and ran away like i had stepped on his tail because he's like i don't know what's happening i am freaking out that there is a dark saber and i want more and that was such a brilliant way to end it so here's what's funny about that for me and i'm saying this in a good way because i agree with you the dark saber appearing at that moment basically signals that what they're going to do is we're going to deep dive on mandalorian mythology that you know because up until this point like you get a little bit right you know you get just the mandalorian you get the one guy you know you kind of show that there you know there's some others they get into that a little bit but they don't really deep dive into what's going on you just get little bits and pieces here but when the dark saber comes out you're like oh it's on Mm -hmm. we're going full mandalorian and that's why i was freaking out as i was like yes deep dive talk about it give me a pink lightsaber because there's a whole expanded thing and believe you me if i had a lightsaber it was going to be a pink one it, you know, it really is great, and I'll give that actor a lot of credit whose name I can't think John of. John right Carlo Esposito. Sorry, yes, I knew, and he's actually been in a number he's in of things. Back. Yeah, um, he's been in a number of things, and he's great in everything that he's been in. So I'll give him uh, definitely a lot of credit. I thought he was good in this, even though he's not in it a whole heck of a lot. Uh, but I have a feeling he's gonna be. Yeah, I think we're gonna see some more of that guy. But that that really was a great moment. Is that your good? Um, you know, that's not, I, I kind of did jump on your good bandwagon there, didn't I? <laughs> no, please do. Please jump on my good bandwagon. No, I'm going to go with another good one. And actually, I'm going to go to great because this is another one of those redemption stories. Uh, because we do have our Robert Downey Jr. in this one, and that is Nick Nolte. Yes. You know, here's a guy that, that dude's crazy, right? Like, <laughs> Nick yeah. Nolte, like, he did some great work. He's and nuts. then he, he went, woohoo, off he goes. And then suddenly he comes back and he's he's in the Mandalorian. And you're like, how is Nick Nolte going to be in the Mandalorian? And how are they going to pull this off? And he's like the most beloved character. Yeah. He's just amazing. And once again, the guy has like three lines. But, oh, he makes it work. He makes it work so well. Mm-hmm. And they're VO lines. And that's even harder, like, to to bring intense and they're emotion. Cheesy. They are the yeah. cheesiest damn lines. But every one of my friends now ends almost everything they say with, I have spoken. <laughs> Oh, you're right. That is pretty great. Okay, what's the flip side of the coin for you? What's the what's the bad? You know, once again, I, I hate to go into much because there wasn't much that was bad per se. Okay, what's off key? But at the same time, there were a few things. Like I said, some of the storylines, especially in the, the middle, um, I'm trying to remember it which... Sagged a little bit. Yeah, which episode it was. But the one where they're on the planet and he meets Gina Serrano and they go out and they save the village full of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't dislike that episode because there were some fun scenes. I mean, come on, uh, Baby Yoda. And yes, I'm going to call him Baby Yoda. Me too. I'm never going to stop. Sorry, John. John Favreau, as far as I'm concerned, you're my new god and I will worship you. But I'm still calling him Baby Yoda. <laughs> that's my one piece of rebellion. Okay. That's Baby my pers- Yoda, man. That's my personal rebellion. I'm calling him Baby Yoda. But him chasing around like the little shrimp things or whatever it was that they were. Yeah. That, that playing with the kids. Fantastic. So some wonderful scenes, but that was probably the cheesiest storyline in the entire thing. You know, Agreed. The, the point where they come up there and like, you know how this is going to go. They're going to they're going to go out there that people are going to attack. They're going to have the 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 training montage. You know, uh-huh. like everything was 100 percent visible up front. So I'm not going to say it was bad because once again it wasn't, but it was a little cheesy and predictable. And like I said, it felt like one of those kind of filler episodes where you you know we're just going to throw a few things in. Yeah. So that but that's that's the worst I can say. It, that's it. Okay. Mine's also, I mean, like, mine's ultimately a nitpick, and it's not just in The Mandalorian. Gina Carano is not the strongest actor. She is not the worst actor. It's just 
not something that comes naturally to her. And she has a way of delivering lines that it gets a little actory, but it's not the most honest. And at times it took me out of it. It was enough that it bothered me. And that definitely made it onto my list of it took me out of it enough that I noticed. She is great at the action portions. Right. And that's why she keeps, you know, that's why Deadpool and this and right. all of that. I mean, she's great. And I'm not saying like, please keep hiring her. Right. Well, and like in Deadpool, she really didn't have enough lines for it to matter. Right. She True. was just the action chick, which is fine. Uh, but this one, they tried to give her something and you're right. She just didn't deliver. She went for that brooding, jaded kind of uh, anti-hero type. And she just really didn't completely pull it off. And I think there was a little bit of weakness there in her acting. And I hate to be so critical because I agree with you. It's great that she's there in many ways. But yeah, I see where you're going with that. It would have been nice if, you know, you know, this goes back to like my my whole Wonder Woman thing where I think that Gal Gadot does not look like Wonder Woman, but she turned out to be such a phenomenal actress yeah. in the part that I, I can I can forgive it. Mm-hmm. They went the other way there. It's like, let's take somebody who can pull off everything else. And I feel like it's a limited pool of people that can pull off the physicality required for that role and so you know i respect their casting of her but um and she probably came pretty cheap but let's be honest they didn't have to pay real hard for any of these actors that's very true that's very true uh this seems as good a time as any to just dive into the female factor i'm gonna keep it brief uh gina carano's cardoon character was a strong tough lady and that's awesome despite the weakness in the performances and it's something that we've come to expect from the Star Wars universe. Amy Sedaris was quirky and delightful, but I'm looking to go behind the camera for this one. So of the eight episodes of this season, season one, three are directed by women. And this might not seem like a lot, but when you look at the ratio of female directors to male on the whole, it is a big fucking deal. In 2018, the ratio sat at 27 to 1 male to female directors. And the fact that 37.5% of this series alone is helmed by women, especially in the world of sci-fi, which is a notorious sausage fest, is a beautiful step forward. Kudos to them. So I have a confession to make to you about this. I performed a little social experiment with myself during The Mandalorian. Okay. So I knew going into it that there were some female directors for several of the episodes. I purposefully did not look to see which ones were which. Mm -hmm. And then I waited to the end and I played a little game and I wrote down which episodes I thought were directed by the females. And I cheated a little bit because I knew there's no way they're giving the first episode to anybody other than, you know, the the show writer and probably not the last episode. So I'm like, you know, I, I limit, I was able to, kind of cheese my way just a little bit there. Uh, but so I, I literally just wrote them down and then I went and looked them up to see how well I did. And I got them all wrong. Yeah, uh, I, I did. I got, I got them all well, wrong. And some of, I feel like some of the stronger episodes from a directorial standpoint were directed by the women. And it's one of those things that is just, it's just always been a boys club and people don't right. think about it. And they I just no, assume it's not a woman's job to direct. Right. And I had no criteria. I had no idea what, like, what would I look for that's different? I'm like, I don't know. I really don't know. Other than I'm just going to try to arbitrarily determine, can I tell if there was a difference between a woman and a man directing without having known mm-hmm. who did anything? And I, I was just kind of going to curious, be curious about the result and see if there's any chance I could intuit anything. And apparently I can't. Uh, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. I'm no, it's a great thing. I, th- I thought it was funny because uh, even Bryce Dallas Howard was mm-hmm. uh, was one of the directors. Yeah, she directed uh, you, an episode. You know, so there's a pretty big name there, even. And I mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't tell the least bit of difference. Well, and that's actually for the best because then that removes this notion that like a woman is going to direct something for women 
and then it becomes universal and then it becomes more universally acceptable. And then we don't end up with all of the lady directors boxed out of the Oscars again. Right. Which was kind of why I did it because I read, I'd read an article early on, uh, they, there, somebody was mentioning this topic and I thought to myself kind of that same thing. And I'm like, well, if that's the case, then maybe I could tell maybe something about it would clue Mm -hmm. me in as to which was which. And I, I kind of concocted that little idea, mostly because I knew I was going to binge the shit out of this thing whenever episode yeah. came out. So you had a short time frame to do it in. And uh, like I said, so that was the result. I got them all wrong. <laughs> well, I think that's a good thing this time. I thought, you know, actually I, the ratio there, I should have probably guessed one of them right by accident. I mean, really, I should have had at least one of them just because yeah. there weren't that many episodes. I should have randomly hit one and I didn't. <laughs> well. This seems like a good time. I don't know what that means either, but it's great. Seems like a good time for a palate cleanse. Let's head on over to the rec room. What you got to recommend for me, buddy? All right. So I had to keep this one Star Wars related. You know, I mentioned the expanded universe before that they said is non-canonical. Uh-huh. But I got to make a pitch here. Okay. If you go and read any one thing from the old expanded universe, which I'm still just going to call the EU, you got to read the Thrawn trilogy by Timothy Zahn. Okay. So... Timothy Zahn is a great author in his own right. If you ever want to just go read any Zahn, I don't think you'd ever be disappointed. Spell his last name for the folks. Uh, Z-A-H-N. Okay. Uh, he's a fantastic author, and he doesn't just do Star Wars. He's done many other things. But he did basically the first set of r- novels for the Expanded Universe. Not technically. There were some that were before. I think Kevin J. Anderson did the actual first one. Anyway, the, he released what was called the Thrawn Trilogy, which was kind of the, the sequels mm-hmm. to Return of the Jedi. This was the expanded universe carrying on that story. And these were like back in the eighties and nineties. So yeah, air to empire came out in 1991. Okay. So it's been a hot minute. Oh yeah. These books have been out for a, for a long time. And Zahn only ever actually did five of the star Wars novels. He actually did a little, uh, two part follow-up, uh, to Mm -hmm. this late, much later, but the original three that he did, and they were just, they're universally praised. I mean, as much as the Mandalorian has been universally praised, so were these novels in the day of the expanded universe, because he just understood the essence of Star Wars and continued on and was like, okay, how does the storyline play out now? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you have problem, you know, because they kind of had the happy ending, right? You know, right. And he really dived into, well, you know, it really wasn't. I mean, like, you know, they kind of won, but the Empire isn't like completely gone. You know, there's still stuff there. You know, that's where Grand Admiral Thrawn comes into play. And I won't give any any bit of the storyline there, but it's fan-freaking-tastic. It really is. So go back and read that because, you know, I, I often say that the sequels, if they wanted to have immediately brought along all of the hardcore EU fans, mm-hmm. all they need to do is get Zahn to have attached to him to the writing. He didn't have to write oh, the whole yeah. thing. But if they had brought and say, hey, we brought Zahn in as a consultant on these scripts, like the EU would have, they, they would have automatically just jumped on the bandwagon. They really would have. Not only would that, but he also would have uh, would have helped. Um, yeah, quite a bit. Now, I don't know if I mentioned this on air before, but you know, my son is named after a Star Wars character. Yeah, you have Gavin. And, yeah, he is. He named it after Gavin Darklighter, uh, which that was actually uh, conceived of and concocted by Michael Stackpole. Um, but then several years ago, we actually ran into Michael Stackpole at a convention. And so my son got to meet him and we got to tell him the story. Uh, but he was sitting next to and good friends with Timothy Zahn. So I actually got to meet Zahn nice. that day myself, too. Um, and they were great guys. We had a wonderful conversation. So they're actually really cool guys as well, but they're a really good example of people who understand how to write in other universes. Uh, Stackpole wrote a bunch of star Wars novels. He's also written in other universes, but these guys understand how to go into those universes right there and Mm -hmm. tell good stories without fundamentally changing it to the point where they have to make it their own, which ultimately I think was the problem with the sequels and the people who were in charge with it. So go back, read some Zahn. I don't think you'll be disappointed even today. 
Okay. Mine ties in in a whole different kind of way here, buddy. <laughs> Go for it. I'm ready. We're gonna we're gonna rewind we're gonna rewind to some porn earlier. Porn? Oh yeah, let's go back to the porn. Well, okay. This is, this is great. I like how you're tying so, that in. You know how sometimes you just need a good laugh? Like the kind of laugh where tears are streaming down your face and you can't breathe. So humor porn. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to so get there. So I was watching this YouTube video where these guys are reading their erotic fan fiction. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> and it led me down the rabbit hole of AO3, which is an archive of our own, full of fan fiction. Oh, goodness. Now, listen, folks, it can be whatever you want it to be. You can sort it by the fluffy and the smutty. But let me tell you, <laughs> I have laughed until I hurt. I had to put it down the other day because I was laughing so hard I could not breathe and thought I was going to throw myself into an asthma attack and I don't even have asthma. <laughs> so if you need a good laugh, people, you go look up some fan fiction and let me tell you, you can find anything. You can find sci-fi. I found the funniest piece of smut between Adam and Jamie from Mythbusters. Oh, my goodness. Okay. You wow. can find anything. And it. I realize we don't all have the same kind of sense of humor. If you're looking for a full house kind of funny, you can find that on there, but you're going to be looking someplace different than me. But if this sounds even the least bit entertaining to you, I promise you will be delighted by the pros that you will find there. We should warn people, though, at this point, you are approaching the black hole. Because oh, yeah. You'll get sucked in and then you'll realize that you've committed to reading something that's super long and is horribly written and you've just sucked away two hours of your life and then you have to put it down. Yeah, this is the 3 a.m. effect where you go, oh, shit, is it 3 a.m.? <laughs> and he's not wrong. That's happened to me twice. But <laughs> it's worth it for how funny it is. And I, if you need a good laugh, just trust me. AO3.com and giggle to your heart's content. I, I yeah, I'm afraid. I'm very afraid. <laughs> you should be. I'm the one who's afraid of Reddit. <laughs> I'm over here at yeah. this. She's like, oh no, I'm 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 afraid of your poodle. And she's over here with <laughs> like military trained Dobermans. Like, yeah. yeah. No, you have nothing to be afraid of. That's where you went. Oh. Maybe later I'll read you one because it's really funny. Uh yeah. I mean you know, nothing gonna be a hard pass. <laughs> I think it's a hard pass for I, everybody I, else. I I believe the answer is no. <laughs> and I have spoken. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.